0: You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Prosperity in Black America. What will this require? Is Black business prospering? Are we reaching women and minority-owned businesses? How do we achieve earning parity for wealth for our families? I'm that provocateur of change. I am Cindy Bright. Good evening everyone, welcome to Heartbeat. I'm your host, Cindy Bray. Thank you for joining us here on Converge Media this evening as we are going to have a conversation this this evening uh, about the topic, are black women free? The reason I chose this topic, uh, I'm, I'm gonna show you a video here in just a second to give you some context. But the reason I decided to do this particular topic is because my own spirit has been shaken over the last three weeks since I aired a show with Dr. Karen Johnson and her untimely termination from the position of the equity officer here in Washington State. Since that termination over the past three weeks, I have had an outpouring of black women calling me and saying, help, this is happening to me too. What can we do to help? And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you the stories that I have heard over the last three weeks require us to do something. Now, I want to show you this video, and then I'm going to introduce in the queens that are sitting here in the studio with me this evening. So let's have a look. Seattle, Bellevue, and Tacoma is the 14th fastest-growing metropolitan area in America. The state of Washington has several new majority-minority cities. So we are going to talk about race whether we want to or not. The, the question isn't whether, you know, we should talk about it. The, the question is,
1: are we going to talk about it proactively or reactively?
2: We are the first state in the country to open the Office of Equity.
3: We are leading. But it's not necessarily the question, why lead, but how? We're going to have a new normal, a new normal that's more equitable and just. And so we want to make sure that every Washingtonian has full access to the opportunity to flourish, to to reach their full potential, no matter what they look like, and let that be the norm.
1: This summit is a start and we're modeling something. I feel like the fact that the governor is holding
2: a summit like this and inviting us to talk about race, having these hard discussions, it's already getting the ball rolling. We've been to decades' worth of understanding the symptoms when we don't lead with race.
1: And so we want to continue to fight for the diversity and the equity in our community because we need to be ready, we need to be open to have these
3: conversations and to talk about these issues. It's
1: because that's where it starts, from having these difficult conversations.
3: And it is an honor to be at the head of this work for the state, setting a standard for other states to follow, saying that, yes, we can indeed come together and center People center the voice of those who've been left out and left behind in a way that honors each and every person's humanity, affirms their dignity, and treats them with respect.
1: We have an opportunity to make a difference. And what that looks like is bringing the communities to the tables
2: that haven't been
1: at the table. We don't want to have a conversation just to talk.
3: You need to solve problems.
2: And I know that when I'm in the room, the people farthest from power, the ones at that table.
3: We have generations yet unborn, depending on what we do. That's why we're here today,
0: to go forward. My number one rule is you got to show up. It's not about what you talk about, it's what you do. So let's start with this. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's get to it. Why lead with race? Did you get chills listening to that given who my guests are this evening and given her words were about treating everybody with dignity and respect. Let me introduce in two powerful women that are here in the studio with me today. I welcome all of you to join in this conversation too, who are listening. My first guest, uh, many of us know her. She is a queen uh, by her own regard. She is an attorney here in Seattle. She is the regional vice president for the NAACP. Welcome, Shalee Seacrest, to Heartbeat. Shalee, welcome here this evening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, happy to have you here, queen. Uh, And by no other (laughs) than the queen who was here with me three weeks ago, I am so honored to have Dr. Karen Johnson back on here with me this evening to carry this torch forward. Dr. J, welcome back onto Hearts. It's
3: great to be here, Ashe. (laughs)
0: Ashe. I wanted to start this conversation this evening about what does it mean for us to feel free? Like, are we free? And what does it mean for us to feel free? What would that look like, Dr. J? I was
3: listening to a song on my way here, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, turn around, turn me around, ain't gonna let nobody marching up to freedom land. And Mary Mary wrote a song entitled, "I, I just can't give up now. I've come too far from where I started. Nobody told me the road was gonna be easy. And I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Many of us are already free. We speak unapologetically, show up unapologetically. And I believe that might be why Maya wrote the book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, because there are those who like to keep those of us who are free, caged. What do you want to say, Shelley?
0: (laughs) What do you want to say, Shelley? it is, we're
1: talking about freedom, right? And as the regional vice president of the biggest, the baddest, the boldest and oldest civil rights organization in the nation, that's the one and only NAACP, we fight for the freedom, especially for black folks. Today, we're looking at in 2023, we want to make certain that Jay Inslee, Governor Inslee, does not dissent his the state of Washington. How can people feel free to talk about race? How do we step into being uncomfortable? How do we lean into those situations where we can point out oppression and after Black Lives Matter, beyond the hashtag, after we have mourned the untimely death of a George Floyd? once the cameras go away people become afraid they're fearful for even talking about race that's not freedom and so tonight we're talking about black women in the constraints that we're put under and our freedom
0: yes and that from the NAACP perspective is powerful what about from Shali' perspective do you feel free?
1: Yes. Right. But that freedom comes at the place of being able to make certain that I own my own firm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can make sure that I'm free. I'm free financially. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm free to be able to speak openly mm-hmm. because as an attorney, you know how to make certain that you stand for your rights. Right. And so there's a freedom that comes with that knowledge. Um so, yes, Shalee Seacrest is free, mm-hmm. but I understand that that's not the role. Just because you made it, you we are called by God and servants that we lift as we climb. Yes. So even though I am free today. I'm still lifting those who are incarcerated, those who are not behind the prison walls, but are worried about where they're going to get their next meal, where they're gonna lay their head at night. So we are fighting for the freedom, especially as we're celebrating Juneteenth, we're fighting for the freedom of those who are still suffering and oppressed.
0: And a key thing that you just said, uh, that is powerful for us as black women to be free, Mm is that we have to unshackle ourselves from the organizations and the people who continue to keep shackles around us. And so even as, you know, Dr. J, you're hired in and paid by the state of Washington, you're still at the mercy of somebody being uncomfortable or somebody seeing you being too free. And so you act free And then something happens. And so the the movement of black women, what I'm hearing from so many black women is they are shackled because they're in these organizations, the county, the state, corporate America. I mean, some of the people who've reached out to me has blown my mind because black women are not feeling free. And many black women go out on their own. Shalee, you have your own firm. I uh, do as well. And we have to grind out a different kind of hard and freedom to earn money because we can be punished for speaking out. Would you agree with the punishment aspect to all of this as well? That if we say something or point something out, there's a cost to doing that?
3: I think the greater cost is to being silent. Uh, There's too much bloodshed, too many lives that were lost to be Silent, you know, I'm reminded of uh, 1863 when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and it took almost two years, 1865, for the news to reach the, the black people who were enslaved in Texas, for which we get Juneteenth, June 19, 1865. And the cost of freedom is what Harriet Tubman paid. You see, she already knew she was free and not part of that system and left it and help others to get out. And those who've been blessed like me to serve in this role have a responsibility to show up, stand up and speak up, no matter what the cost it is to us. Because I believe as Dr. King said, what affects one directly affects all indirectly. And if I can show up and say Avengers assemble, ain't no stopping us now, we are gonna be equity and justice for all for generations now and to come. And I belong here, you belong here because all lives cannot matter until all lives like mine matter. That's gonna empower and encourage someone to stand up and show up. Chilly.
1: I love that question of what happens when you speak out? What happens when you are reliant on um, a contract or your employer, um, you point out something about race and then you have to wonder, oh, should I have shut up? And you have to hold that in. Right. And the poison that happens of holding things in. Right. I you asked the question, I immediately thought about some of our old civil rights leaders, black women. Right. We all know about Rosa Parks and her taking a stand by sitting down on the bus. We know that story. We don't know the story of Rosa Parks that was fired from her job and her husband who couldn't get employed and how they had to move to another state and create another community that had to hold them down all because she took that position of standing up and speaking out against race. We don't talk about what happens of those who laid it on the line, right? Mm Mm-hmm talking about just recently, all in the last year, I'm just gonna talk about 2022 is now 2023, in the last 12 months, Mm -hmm. we've had a black woman who was chair of the Washington State Commission on African American Affairs. And she was talking about state policies that were creating barriers for black folks to enter an industry She's talked about the racist policies, what was keeping black folks from being a part of that American dream. Here in Washington state, we sell more cannabis than apples. We're trying to get black folks into the cannabis industry. Spoke up about what was creating the barriers. Suddenly I look up, she's no longer in her position. And at first I looked and I was like, oh, well that's unfortunate. And I didn't really think anything of it, mm-hmm. Cindy. And then all of a sudden I noticed another Black woman spoke out about race and policies at the state level, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Melanie Morgan, Representative Melanie Morgan. And then I looked up, and all of a sudden, Representative Morgan, there's an investigation against her. Now, Mm -hmm. thank God, the good folks of the state of Washington has elected this brilliant Black woman, and so they couldn't fire her. And then the NAACP heard about Dr. J, where her job, what the people demanded after the horrible murder of George Floyd. We said in Washington state, we want an office in place that looks and institutes equity at the state level. And we hired the best. I tell you, Dr. J, you were the best. That was not something... That just happened, Dr. J. Are you available? We found you, and we wanted you here. We needed you here. Isn't that interesting? How you it speak starts about race, mm-hmm. and all yes. of a sudden it's, it's gone. gone. So, for the NAACP, we need folks to start asking the questions: What happens
0: to black women when they're talking about race? Mm-hmm. That is powerful, Shirley, because that is a fact, Dr. J. You know what she just what she just articulated around, they hunt for us to have us come in and then they hunt us. And so Mm -hmm. we come into these roles and we check that box of what they need. But then when we start doing what we're brought in to do, the pushing them out of a comfort zone. I mean, does anybody ever have the back of a black woman?
3: Julia, you touched my heart. (laughs) And you took me back to why I was here. Mm -hmm. And you know, Cindy, it reminds me of something that Dr. Sarah Lloyd said, that we're both target Mm -hmm. and shield. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Shield to those who are doing this work, to the leaders in this state who are seeking a more equitable work culture. And target when we call out the inequities,
0: Hunt and hunted. Look what's happening across the country. And still we rise. And still we rise. But at what cost? Mm. I mean, who's the Olympic sprinter that just died from maternal, you know, health, like our health, like Dr. J, what's your, I mean, can I ask you that? Are you comfortable to talk about your own health? Like you took some wellness break, right? To contend with your own life because remember what I said to you last time on air, we're the strong woman who shows up, but it has to be impacting you too. How is this all impacting you who was hunt, who was hunted for and then hunt it down?
3: I have to say that I used to talk about micro and macroaggressions and how there's psychological trauma. And that was intellectual. But when I showed up in the emergency room on Monday, March 6th, because I could not breathe, Because it felt like there was a knee on my neck. Because I made the mistake of watching a Selma commemoration. And now this is in the public. This is after all all that was going on. I was carrying it in my body. Mm -hmm. And when I was looking at Selma and saw the horses, I thought, yes, I'm being trod on every day not heard, not listened to, questioned, challenged. When I saw the tear gas, I thought, oh, those are the tears I'd be crying if I could find the words. When I saw the Billy clubs, it reminded me of the battering day in, day out, misunderstood, false narratives, triangulation, people, arguing with me with stuff they've got going on in their heads and not listening to me. And when I watched the clip of John Lewis being beaten unconscious, I thought that's how I feel because it doesn't make sense to me that it should be this hard for us to get along as people to be in this community of humanity who doesn't want to do equity Who doesn't want to make sure that everyone has what they need to succeed access to the power, the opportunity, the resources to thrive. And it's by God's grace that I made it through that because if I hadn't gone through that, when this event took place, I'd probably be dead or you all would have Dr. J locked up somewhere because it was that traumatic. And for anyone at the sound of my voice, who can relate to this, just know that you are not crazy. Just know, lie, deny, deflect, protect, gaslight, investigate, terminate is a thing. And that's the culture that we were seeking to shift. And it's the culture that just weighed too much on me that Dr. J had to take a time out. Because Jeffrey Robinson said, rest is a weapon. And when the doctor said, "Can you quit that job?" I'm like, "No." God sent me. He's like, "Well, you need at least thirty days off to go walk and talk to God, mm-hmm. to maybe hear Him say something different."
0: It does. Did you have
1: something, Shirley? You asked the question. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have a black woman's back? Mm-hmm. Right? Are we supported? Um, and to that, I say yes. I say yes. Right. In that, we look at our ancestors. Mm-hmm who have black women who have stood up in similar barriers of what we're facing, right? That intersection where of of sexism, racism, right? All of those things that we have to fight simultaneously And that they've pointed that out and they've walked that line because we understand when it comes to the civil rights movement, if you actually are looking at what are the problems that are being identified and solved, those were pushed and led by black women. Here's what I say. They always say they call it in the minds. They'd send a canary. Down into the mines to see if um how things are. If the canary was able to f- make its way out, right? If it wasn't covered in sit and oil, then they'd know if it was safe enough to send other people down. Yes. That canary, that's the black woman, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They have to, is it working? Are your policies when we're talking about civil rights and um equity and all of that? Mm-hmm. Is it working? Send in a black woman, ask her, is it working, right? Mm-hmm. So we call when you're finding solutions, we call it building power from the roots up. Mm -hmm. You need a black woman by your side to figure out what are the problems Mm -hmm. and the solutions that you are pushing if it's really working, right? So do we have support? Do they have our back? They need to support us. They need to have our back. Because I promise you, things will not get better without black women. So the answer and the solution is found by putting black women
0: into positions of power. Dr. J was the first black, first appointed um, equity officer across the country in in a state to step into this position. Black women are all paying attention to what happened to you because what happened to you, Has happened to me, has happened to her, has happened to her, has happened to her. And so now we're saying, all right, what are they going to do with that role now? Because any black woman would any sense wouldn't set foot into a job like that without seeing a public support for what you were brought in to do, Dr. J. We can't be successful in organizations unless the top white male is willing to stick his neck out and protect and defend the very issue, the very thing that he said he wanted in the first place. So why should black women continue to be on the forefront of trying to drive change and sitting on the bus and coming into the studio with me? Why should we continue to do this when what we receive back is nothing? from them or we have to go fight to get something from them
3: you know dad said uh, if it doesn't kill you it'll make you stronger and he was right to be clear i most definitely did not want that role <laughs> to be clear because we knew how this was going to end so much so in the interview when one asked dr j why do you want the role i'm like oh i don't want this job. no black person in their right mind, especially not a black woman in her right mind, would want this assignment, and yet, many are called but few are chosen. I was chosen and sent by God in there. And why would we want to do this? Because as Lee said, if you want to get basically something accomplished, you're going to need a black woman to be able to identify the problem and the solution and be able to pull it off. And so I said, well, if we are interested in leaving a legacy where we lay infrastructure that shift the trajectory of society toward equity and justice for all now and for generations to come, I might be interested in doing that. If we wanna be the McKinsey of state government and the gold standard for how to do this work, centering people, humanity, then perhaps I'll be interested in doing that. And if we really want to transform, well, we first have to be reconciled, and that's only through truth-telling and admitting the harm. You mentioned the public outcry after Mr. Floyd was murdered. Truly, in this state, there's the same public outcry and holding government accountable. And community was saying, admit, acknowledge the harm that you have done and let us together move forward. And that's why we would want to stay in the fight because someone must do this for the babies. And by the way, and we're good if nobody really wants to do this because we will do this ourselves mm-hmm. with, with those who are prepared and have a heart for all.
1: I love that. The question, why would anyone sign up for this? <laughs> right? Knowing what is to come. Exactly. Um, We look at the brave men and women who go into any battle, knowing that they may not make it out alive. Or if they do come back, their lives are not going to be the same as when they went in. And yet they go in anyway. Right. Dr. J. and the countless women, Cindy. Right. That's what we do. We know when we are. pushing something forward they say if you want something that's never that you've never had before you have to be willing to do something that you've never done before Mm -hmm. dr j we've never had Mm -hmm. this office before you right -hmm. Right. we we started this because washington state we want to get better when we're talking about race we got to be more better right i'm tired of racism Mm -hmm. right it's 2023 i want to end it now I'm a part of an organization that was founded in 1909. Mm. One of the nice things about being a part of the NAACP is that we know how racism evolves. This is going to be a fight that is going to happen long gone after you have left this beautiful earth. And same with us. We have to train up our young leaders to fight racism, Mm -hmm. right? Why do we get into this knowing that the outcome is going to be something that could take us out? We do it because not just because of the ancestors, but because we know how it shifts and it moves and we have to fight it. The progress that we've made now in 2023 is going to go back. The pendulum will will swing back already. We look at Florida where folks can't even say race anymore. They can't talk about slavery as if it never existed. Right. Right. We make progress and then it comes back. But like you said earlier, I ain't no ways tired. We know how to fight this fight and we're in it for the long haul because that really is the assignment. Right.
0: I'm gonna take just a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask the question, should black women pivot at this moment? And what should that pivot look like? So we'll be right back.
3: COVID-19 are my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the
2: government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in. They talked to our lender and saved our home because falling on hard times does not have to mean losing your home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHAF.org.
1: up everybody you know me and Besa, my girl we had to pull up to market street shoes once again y'all and you know we do this every season we have to get the new shoes the new boots and this time i even got a coat yeah no you did walk in without a coat i really I'm did. glad you found one but <laughs> their boots were on point yes the boots the bags i even grabbed a flannel yeah you did you know and i was able to get some hats and everything i was really impressed And you know, I was impressed because, of course, I got those white boots that you guys see me wearing everywhere these days. Yeah, no, I I look at your white boots and I'm like, darn it, they only have one pair. Me and Basa wear the same size. Of course, every time we walk out with several bags in hand. Several bags and sometimes even a backpack, you guys. Make sure you check out Market Street Shoes. Yeah, please deck them out. Where they go, Basa? Ooh, 2232 Northwest Market Street, Seattle, Washington. One in every 500 African-Americans in the U.S. suffers from sickle cell disease. One in three African-American blood donors is a match for patients with sickle cell. One appointment to donate blood with the American Red Cross can help save a life. Will you be that one? Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood today to schedule an appointment at a location
0: near you. Welcome back to Heartbeat. I'm your host, Cindy Bright. We are having a discussion this evening about answering the question, are black women free? And if you were listening into this first half, you probably thought you were in church when you heard attorney Shalee Seacrest and Dr. Karen Johnson talk about their role in society. I am going to ask the question now Uh, And bear with me here because the question I asked before the break is, should black women pivot at this point? And let me explain what I'm thinking or why this is an important question. Because I'm questioning uh, as a nation, is something deeper happening here? There are so many issues. Going on with black women right now. If you're paying attention to what's going on in Oakland, California, there's a large gamut of black women that are missing that are not showing up in mainstream media. We're talking about it here. Nobody's talking about what's happening to the lives of black women. If you look at companies, I mean, I made a whole list of today what I saw in the news this week with lawsuits, Google, FedEx. Equinox, like these multimillion dollar lawsuits are having to be settled because heard, we're not being valued and we're clearly not being paid. I'm just beginning to wonder, you know, black women are the backbone of democracy in this country. The Democratic Party cannot win without black women. Should we be doing something different? We've got a presidential election in front of us. We're watching comedy play out on, you know, number 45. I mean, the extremities to which a white man can go and still be free. And a black woman can't sneeze the wrong way without being fired from her job. Should black women continue to support the party? We now have Dr. Cornell West up to run for the president of the United States? Should we just back him and stop mobilizing and stop putting the same people in office who are not looking out for our interests? I'm asking that question. Shalise Seacrest, what do you think about that question? Do black women need to
1: pivot? (laughs) I think black women have been pivoting, circling, stepping out in all directions. I mean, it's a dance for progress. It's never been a linear straight line for change. It's never been one of those just black and white, straightforward, no barriers. We've had to dodge, pivot, circle, dance, right? It's a dance that black women, I would say we've almost mastered because despite the barriers, you do see the progress. It is working. Don't stop, keep going. Right? Yes, there's going to be opposition whenever you are trying to shift power. Keep going, You're a black woman. Move on. That's what we do, right? Key word in when you're talking about the settlements. That you see of black women against black women in the treatment that that is going on around the nation, not just here in Washington state. Washington state and Dr. J's story is just a microcosm of what we are seeing around the nation. But you also saw when I hear settlements, I'm hearing, oh, we won. Settlement means that they sued. They spoke up. They took a stand. They say, I've been violated. I've been wronged in some way. And they won. There's a settlement to that. Women keep speaking out, keep standing up. You will win when you fight. You will win, right? We have to learn how to organize better. We have to learn how to organize better. We might have to pivot and do things differently, but that's an organizing effort, right? Again, building power from the roots up, finding other people whose interests align with yours. Black men wanna, or men see the value in having black women as well. We gotta tap into those values where our values align, right? And not allowing no as an answer. We can't. So yeah, pivot, swirl over, step back. Right. That's what black women do. That's what we ha- That's what's been
0: working to get us thus far. Dr. Jay, what do you think about that question?
3: I love what you said about it's a dance, and we've been pivoting and swirling all along. And as you were talking, Shirley, I was actually thinking about the scripture that that says up from the book of Matthew, that uh, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And on any socioeconomic ladder, black women are at the lower rung, which which tells me that actually all of this is just preparation for reigning, for being first. And yes, I do believe we need to pivot. I think we need to pivot in our mindsets and understand our and lean into our queenship. And as Phil Jacobs said a couple weeks ago, we have the money. It's time to start using it to buy or lease our own politicians. But I would prefer let's just go ahead and run for the office ourselves. Because there comes a time when it's easiest just to go ahead and do it yourself, as opposed to as opposed to supporting people who, once they get your vote or get into office, forget that you were even alive?
0: Well, you know, I think I would say um, we have been doing that. We have here in Washington State, we have been advocating and pushing and organizing to help people get elected. And we are turning them over fairly quickly too. So if you look at You know, Representative Jesse Johnson served one term. Mm -hmm. Representative Kirsten Talley Harris Mm -hmm. served one term. Mm -hmm. Senator Mona Doss served one term. Mm -hmm. The culture that was blamed on you Mm -hmm. actually exists already. Mm -hmm. And we're churning and burning people to death. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I come back to yes, Shelley, we are working and and shuffling and doing the things that you articulated, but what if we didn't do that? Mm -hmm. Where, what would happen if we stopped and let them fall? Because we know that this democracy is held up by us. And so, you know, it may be more rhetorical as I'm saying it, But I think it's an important question to ask as we're heading into this next election, because the very people that they're hunting are the people that they need. And I don't know. I mean, student debt relief is still probably, you know, that's the number one thing black community was hoping from President Biden. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Right. Why do we keep putting these same politicians in office and What happens to us every time we speak the truth about this stuff? Because truth is what they're reacting to. They're reacting to us speaking out.
3: One thing Shalee said that is critical, I believe, to this point, she talked about aligning with values. And certainly, if Black women really are the backbone of democracy, and if we stepped out, then the oligarchy will take place as, 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 some intend for it to do. However, because we fundamentally believe that every baby deserves food, diapers, a good education, generational wealth, we're going to take care of our babies. We believe in the humanity of people. We believe that God created every individual, In his image, I'm not talking about she, I'm talking about he. In his image, and I'm not even trying to to proselytize anybody, is what I believe. So we're image bearers. And to our core, we've come this far by faith. We know that our God loves every single individual that was created. And we're going to fight for that, no matter who's in office. And we're going to stand behind whoever wants to do that to make sure that voting rights for all exist, to ensure that the Voting Rights Act is restored, to make sure that there is wealth for all, livable wages for all. And even if we have to be the entrepreneurs that we already are, because if anybody can take nothing, as a matter of fact, we've done so much with so little for so long, we could do anything with nothing. And will become entrepreneurs make and go entrepreneur ahead and make pieces. the money. That's exactly. I mean. May it it recall, Bethune built a college selling sweet potato pie for a dollar. And I know I know how to make a sweet potato pie. How about you, <laughs> Shirley? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I th-
1: I believe to answer the question, right? Um, as as we're entering a new season of elections, do we just keep electing the same folks who aren't really pushing? Um, I believe in my heart, the power of the people is stronger than the people in power. I firmly believe in that. We saw that play out in the last presidential election, in the 2020, black folks weren't voting because they loved Joe Biden and they cared about college debt. No, they voted to vote somebody out of office, right? They said, no, we don't want him. I'm voting, I'm showing up because I can't stand him in office anymore. That was the power of the people, the power of the black vote specifically, because remember, Michigan, right, was a red state until them votes in Detroit came in. Right. All of those places, Pennsylvania, and then comes the delayed votes, but they came in from Philly. Come on, Philly. Right. (laughs) But it was the power of the black vote. And people understood, I may not like the candidate, but I know how to take someone out who is harming our people. That's power. That's the same type of organizing that I'm talking about that we're living in right now. So, yes, for the presidential elections, I believe those same people are going to be able to and be able to vote in a way where they can see it impacting their lives. People aren't voting by party anymore. They don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, honestly. Right. Mm -hmm. To capture the hearts of black people. To the problems that you've seen. We've told you already. What are you doing about it? We will vote to to take you out. If you
0: don't get your stuff together. That's where we're at these days. Mm -hmm. I like the stuff. They don't get their stuff (laughs) together. I knew you bit your (laughs) lip on that. I I hear you. You know, one of our um, viewers asked the question, uh, I'll paraphrase it. It's like Cindy, are you calling for a revolution, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an it's an interesting question, and I'm I'm asking it this question. I'm the provocateur of change, but I'm asking this question on purpose because we are continued to be taken for granted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, what we do, what Shalee was just describing, and the organizing and making sure our babies are fed and has education and all that's the work that they have come to expect from us and not reward us for it and so you know i'm wondering going forward i mean what is your hypothesis about what's going to happen here in the state of washington going forward do either of you have any thoughts about that
1: yes So are we talking about revolution? Yes. Right. (laughs) And we got to look at it. Civil rights right now, um, the civil rights movement, it's not so that we can be a part of the existing system. Not today in 2023. That might have been what they were pushing for back then. But we saw that didn't work. Integration by itself wasn't enough. So we're not just talking about inclusion by itself. No, no, no. We want the whole damn thing to fall apart. Right. We're dismantling systems that are still in place that are oppressing things. Right. So if a system is built to do what it's supposed to do, let's take, for example, the criminal justice system It's doing what it's supposed to do. It's not broken. That's what it was set up for. Right. 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 We when we're talking about revolution, you're talking about people that are saying, let's put a system in place that is actually going to change and dismantle the things. That's why we created the Office of Equity. You were doing what we asked you, what the people of Washington State asked you to do. We're gonna make certain that that office works, right? right? That it's not just a, um, what's the word? Symbolic, performative measure of justice and progress and all of those. No, we're gonna make certain that it actually does the work. We're ready for a revolution.
3: And, you know, so I brought my bullhorn today (laughs) because red plus blue equals purple. And in the Office of Equity, I used to say that we are the purple place for the people. We put people over party, we put purpose over partisanship. And if anybody wants to be about that, we would work with them. And, you know, often when we see this bullhorn, we usually hear no justice, no peace, Well, I believe moving forward, we're going to know justice, K-N-O-W, justice, so that we can know peace, K-N-O-W. So this is where I would say Avengers assemble. This is where everyone who knows your vibranium bring it. This is where we show up, we stand up, we speak up. Because one of the things I have to to give credit where credit is due, Governor Jay Inslee ran on a disruptive government platform. 12 years ago. And I thought, okay, if we really are going to make systemic change, if we're really going to deal with the systemic barriers that our our statute required us to do, if we're really going to strengthen, develop policies and resources and prioritize or distribute them, to people who've been historically and currently marginalized, then let's put our money where our mouth is and let's change these systems and embed equity into the DNA of state government. That was the charge then, that remains the charge now. And I just have all kinds of free time now to go on the outside and help ensure that that comes to pass. What about you? I don't Thalee? know if they
1: thought that all the way through. I'm just wondering. <laughs> I don't know if they actually thought that all the way out. You got a Dr. J who is no longer confined. You got a Dr. J who is now free, free. to actually do the, I don't free know. Last. If they thought that all the free way at through.
3: last, thank God almighty. We're free at last.
0: It's actually brilliant. To it's talk brilliant. About because it's brilliant. We do have to almost say stay on the outside. I had, I've often said Um, I dodged a bullet when I didn't win the election because I can do more this way than I can sitting in there with some folks trying to control our voices and control our narrative and control when we speak and how we speak. Let me just ask this question of you guys, because what do you think we should do next? And I mean this as a broad black women. What should black women all be doing next? What's our next move? Or should we give that hand? Should we be tipping that hand? They say a good soldier
3: never, never ever, reveals its never, strategy in like, a time of war. Never, <laughs> ever. I will
1: say this. The fact that when Dr. J told, just shared her story and she told, stood in her truth and she began to cry. And I found myself crying along with her. Because when she shared her story of what happened to her, I started sharing. I started reflecting on my story of what happened to me. And thousands of people began reflecting and crying the same tears along with her because she spoke up about our story. What happens next right now for women is that we begin sharing our story. Yes. That you're not alone. We look at a termination and then we internalize it, right? That imposter syndrome is real. Mm -hmm. And we internalize it. And where before we was like, well, I know I have a doctorate, but maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. Or I know I will work beyond the clock. They say, if you want to shop without looking at price tags, you got to work without looking at the clock. So I know I've been looking, working beyond the clock. I'm doing what needs to be done. Even whether, even if it's not recognized, but maybe I'm not enough, right? Mm -hmm. Because we bring in that shame when we're being told, oh, no, you didn't cut the job. I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. Mm -hmm. You did something wrong. Knowing you did nothing wrong. Dr. Mm -hmm. Dr. J, you did nothing wrong. Right. We internalize that. And then we stop telling her story. Thank God that you've got the strength and the courage and the brilliance that you saw beyond yourself. This isn't me. Right. This was my assignment. And I knew that when I took the job, this was what comes with it because I'm dismantling racism. Yes. Right. And that you still stood strong and you told your story. Someone else needs to hear this. You touch lives. We need right now. Other women share your story. Make certain that you speak up, you're not alone. You can contact me, Shaleese Seacrest, right? On social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of those things. You can find us at the NAACP, NAACP, A-O-W-S-A-C. That's NAACP, Alaska, Oregon, Washington State Area Conference, NAACP, aowsa To tell your story, we know Dr. Jay is not alone. Cindy, you're not alone. You're brilliant, bright and beautiful, right? And this has happened to you, it's happened to me. Once we share our stories and we know we're not alone, that's how we build that momentum because it takes more than one person to push this change. We have to make certain that we're uniting. It didn't happen in a vacuum. That's right.
3: And you know, as you were speaking, I just so enjoy listening to you. And I I think about uh, Ella Butler you know uh dr king and them were baptist preachers men and the women had a secretarial role but ella butler decided you know what let me go give you some young people and we're gonna have some sit-ins at these these counters and when i was thinking about her and what black women need to be doing now it's being unapologetically ourselves. going back to wakanda
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have
3: the vibranium we are the vibranium we are the gift and showing up unapologetically as ourselves because this system is designed to kill our gift, to break our spirit, to break our hope, to break our dreams, to break us and as Grandma Alice would say well the devil is a lie no we're here and, 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 and stop gaslighting us we don't want to be resilient, although we do understand that that piece of coal going through all that fire becomes a beautiful, brilliant piece of diamond. And, and, and we should be we're brilliant now. We're, we're diamonds. Right. And, and it's time for us to own our voice, tell our story and encourage others. As Jalee as said earlier, because we do we do lift as we as we lead, we lead lift as we lead. And expand the village and show up unapologetically you know it's really time for us also i do believe to really tap into our entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. tap into that entrepreneurial spirit because we are creators we are inventors and and since we're going to have to redesign and rebuild society because right now it seems like everything is falling apart let black women arise and, and let us go forth and 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 make this the world that we want to be, because it's fairly clear that if anybody else was interested in doing it, it would be done by now. So if we have the vision, let's go ahead, walk on our vision unapologetically, like Queen Esther. We definitely are brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And let's go ahead and, and be beautiful. As Grandma Alice said, also, God don't make no junk. And as far as I'm concerned, when nobody be trying to kill something, that's not of value. So maybe we need to wear our own value and our worth and step back and say, now, what uh, What have I done? And what have I done to deserve this? And why is this happening? Oh, because I am beautiful, because I am brilliant, and because I do matter, no matter what anyone else has to say. And if that is what we can come out of, through what, when we go through this system, come out knowing who we are, then it makes it worth it to me. I
0: Let's wanna, come through. I want to acknowledge a couple things uh, that you both said, because both of you answered uh, that question with a lot of power and a lot of leadership and, you know, the ways that we are as black women to just take charge. Let's move forward. Let's do these things that we need to do. And Shalee, when you said, you know, we've all experienced it, and for those of you who have reached out to me over the last three weeks who have experienced it all, we honor you. And I love what Shali was saying about you're not alone in this battle. And even though the underground. Uh, would tend to circle around you and behind you to try to imposter syndrome or make you believe you're not good enough and worthy enough. We know we're better than that. Mm -hmm. And so holding on to that power is an important piece to all of this. And we have to hold on to each other. Um, I'm going to ask one final question before I make a closing statement, because I do want to show a closing video. And my question is about truth-telling. Because we are at a place in society, we are at a place at a juncture now where you both were just talking about sharing stories. We must tell our truths, whether it's comfortable or not. Chile what final, you know, in a minute or so what would you like to say about the truth telling aspect to this because this is this is where we are now i have to be honest right
1: for black folks telling the truth has cost us our lives to this day 2023 our membership roles you can be a member of the NAACP but it's confidential they don't even share that simply because when it comes to talking about race and telling the truth about race that could cost you your life. Mm-hmm. In this case, it costs careers, it costs social, um, the, they will stay away from you. Oh, you cause too much trouble. You're too controversial. Like there's dynamics that come with speaking the truth when it comes to race. Mm-hmm. Be strategic, mm-hmm. right? Surround yourselves with folks NAACP, um, urban league, folks who know how to stand by your side And address everything under the racial lens and protect you. Get lawyered up. Let me just say that. I'm an attorney. So, of course, I'm going to tell you that, right? Get lawyered up, right? Speaking the truth when it comes to race, it could have consequences. But just know you're not alone. Handle it
3: strategically, though. Protect yourselves. Truth matters. And we had a real talk where we have truth telling to start leaning into acknowledging the harm. And having those conversations together with state employees and the reason why this is so critical to this work is because until we tell the truth we cannot even acknowledge the harm as Julie was talking about earlier right now states florida try to erase history well no let's, let's just tell the truth let's acknowledge the harm so we can start having some healing that comes with forgiveness so that we can then move into reconciliation so that we can really transform society from the inside out. See, this is a journey from the inside out. A dad said, if you free your mind, then your gluteus maximus will follow. If we tell truth, then lies will have to, will have to fall. And I guess my final thought then would be from, from the late Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said he believes that, um, Truth, unconditional love, will have the final say in reality. That is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil, triumphant, because truth is marching on. Truth matters.
0: Thank you both for being here with me this evening. I knew it was going to be the fastest hour of the day to have you here, to have you sharing your power and your truth. To our audience... I want to say to you a couple things and I want you to stay on after I'm done talking. Cause I've got a quick video. I want you to watch it to the end. Okay. I want you to hear what this um, person says, but what Shalee and what Dr. J spoke to today is your personal power. And what they have articulated is we're here. We are three black women who are here to help. We are here to, help you behind the scenes shalee is the attorney here and can make sure you get connected to the resources necessary many of you who have spoken to me need resources and so please feel free to reach out to shalee she's given you her contact for all of us who are in this fight let's stay in this fight together let's make sure that we are the people that prosper because it is us it is the hashtag voice of the black woman mm-hmm. that matters. And so have a look at this video and I'm questioning and challenging you to stand in your truth. Have a watch. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you, Cindy. It's a particularly difficult time for the truth to be quite so fragile. Whether we like it or not, we are in the middle of an information war. People with a lot of money in power are actively trying to kill the truth right now as we speak. They believe that if they spread enough hatred and division, their crimes and misdeeds will go unnoticed. Some of them are trying to run a parallel ground war. Some of them are trying to sell cars. And so far, the plan has worked. A lot of people in charge of news organizations are, for one reason or another, refusing to accept this reality. Or they're learning it the hard way over the time. But I'm here to tell you right now, splitting the difference halfway between the lies pushed by powerful people and the truth leaves you telling half of the truth. As journalists, we are not in that business. We are stewards of the truth, and it needs our help right now. It is not our role to simply find the truth and deposit it on the street and expect it to survive. It needs someone to fight for it. It needs us to fight for it. There are some very brave and decent people in this room. (laughs) Like, it's unbelievable actually hearing your stories. And I realize this is an uncomfortable question. But the next time you're in an editorial meeting, someone asks you to couch the truth with a lie pushed by a powerful person. What will you do? Will you help that liar or will you fight? I hope you will fight. Thank you.